Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. If you happen to be the least bit familiar with Judaism, or you have even the basic outlines of what life for the ancient Israelites might have been like, at least as recorded in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, well then you know that the exodus from Egypt is the central faith claim of the Hebrew people. This God, this Lord of Moses and his older brother Aaron, brought the people of Israel out of 400 plus years of slave labor in Egypt. And time and time again, the Bible records some version of that claim, a repeated claim that expresses gratitude to God for saving the Hebrew people. Well, a meal formed 
around that event. An observance of that meal is an annual spring ritual for Jews ever since. We call it, of course, the Passover. You'll hear in a moment, as I read excerpts from the Exodus story, you'll hear a bunch of dinner details, menu particulars, how food was to be prepared for Passover, what people eating the first Passover meal were wearing at the time. But aside from all of those details, which will come at you, I want you to listen closely to the end of this reading where children are mentioned. Listen closely to those verses, for that's what I will be taking you with my message. Now for the Passover story, Exodus, the 12th chapter, with some excerpted verses to focus our attention between the first and the 27th verse. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole community of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. This is how you shall eat of it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly, for it is the Passover of the Lord. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. I will execute judgment on the gods of Egypt, I am the Lord. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. When you come to the land that the Lord will give you as promised, you shall keep this observance. And when your children ask you, what do you mean by this observance? You shall say, well, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For the Lord passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when striking down the Egyptians. And the people bowed down and worshipped. That's Moses and Aaron addressing the people through the Lord. And I want you to listen in now for some thoughts about what Moses might have had in mind as he addressed the people of Israel. Well, I've been thinking about the Passover and the observance of Passover and the Passover meal uh, for most of this week, knowing that this reading would be sitting up here on the pulpit. Some of you are well acquainted with the place and the role and the significance of Passover in Jewish tradition, that interesting meal that commemorates the end of enslavement for the ancient Israelite or Hebrew people in the land of Egypt. Others of you barely know what the Passover might mean or the word itself seems easily confusing does it have anything to do with an overpass, as in a bridge? And if so, where does the Bible speak about bridges? Well, it is a meal, in fact. And with, uh, when Moses shares the details of this meal and the menu, he puts in all of this detail, this great particularity of how the 
lamb steak is to be prepared, and in fact, how the bread is to be baked, and in fact, what the people are supposed to be wearing as they eat and prepare to conclude the meal. In place of no shoes, no shirt, no service, Moses and Aaron, they basically say to the people, well, get your sandals on and be ready to hike up your robe so you don't trip over it when you go running and have that walking stick in hand. When I was at a restaurant on Friday evening with some friends, the server did not come to our table and say to us, hey, among our specials this evening, the chef has a specially prepared plate of bitter herbs. I tried to picture dollops of horseradish on kale, lettuce, and thinking that would probably approximate. No, um, bitter herbs, though, were part of the meal. Earlier that same Friday when I was dining out, Mac and I were at a rehabilitation center where one of our women is recovering, and one of her issues is to try to slow down her breathing so she doesn't hyperventilate, and to be more deliberate in her swallowing, which is challenged. And she has this little spiral notebook, and only two pages are filled out in it. One has the phone numbers of her kids, and the other page is the one instruction from her physical therapist, which said, chew each bite slowly and fully, swallow completely before taking the next bite. I wondered for just a brief moment what Moses would do with this woman. The Israelites were charged to eat hastily, hurriedly, fast this meal. And how would this woman ever get out of Egypt safely if she had to eat that slowly? Hopefully, Moses and Aaron made provision for the elderly. Well, I've been thinking about um, this Passover meal for more than, I've been thinking about more than this Passover meal, I want to say, for uh, this week. And specifically this morning, I want to look at what Moses said to the people outside of the particulars of that menu. What do you say to people who have been in bondage for over 400 years? What word would you give to them? How would you speak to them? What do you think they need to hear? 430 years, some people, some scholars say, they were in slavery. Well, Moses does something interesting. He doesn't rehearse the cruelty of slavery. He doesn't talk about the heat of the sun and the horrific working conditions. He doesn't talk about how the people will be able to uh, have gainful employment once they reach the promised land and shop wherever they want. He doesn't inspire them with an I have a dream speech telling them that all people are created equal and in the new promised land Justice will become a reality for all the children of God. Moses, he doesn't talk about the danger of the journey ahead, about the potholes and the police checkpoints and, and bringing some extra food along in case your body runs out of gas in the desert. He doesn't talk about the destination either, that there will be these supermarkets full of milk and honey and that aquifers will never dry up and that streams in that rocky land will flow forever. 
You know what Moses talks about? He talks about children. He speaks about their future and schooling them through the power of memory. Before the Israelites bolt north, Moses tells them that they are to become a nation of education, a nation of learning, a nation of teachers. And what the kids need to learn is that their freedom is not necessarily won on a battlefield or through a political triumph at the ballot box or at some legislative level. But their freedom will be won when their minds are engaged and challenged. And when their hearts are convicted of what is ethically and morally right. And when their imaginations are nurtured, expanded, encouraged. This is what Moses says to those people of Israel who have just eaten their meal. This day, this Passover day, shall be a day of remembrance for you. When you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as promised, you shall keep this observance. And when your children ask you, what does this observance mean? You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For the Lord passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when striking down the Egyptians. He repeats this several more times. And what Moses is saying is that faith and meaning, they have to be transmitted. Such things have to be passed down. Education must be a passion. Learning has to be a desire. Teachers count. Learning matters. To have a free society, you need schools. And you need educational systems. And you need gifted teachers. Freedom is not just one on the battlefield. It's not just one in the ballot box. It's not just one in the political arena. No, freedom happens in the hearts and the minds and the imaginations of people who deserve to know that God is always, always on the side of all people when it comes to freedom and dignity. You know, in the U.S. today, we have naturalization ceremonies at courthouses all over the country on a regular basis. And some of you have told me that you were privileged enough to be able to attend one of those naturalization ceremonies. Once upon a time, those were huge events in American history. They were called I Am an American Day. And in May of 1944, there was a really extraordinary one in Central Park, New York. A million and a half people gathered for that naturalization ceremony in Central Park. And there was a district judge of the New York Southern District, a guy by the name of Learned Hand, who delivered the address that day. Don't ask me how more than a million people heard it, but he said some really profound things. He said, freedom isn't about doing whatever you want to do. Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women. And if liberty dies there in the hearts of men and women, no constitution, no law, no court can do much to help it. Freedom is a spirit that has to be taught and it has to be learned. This is what Moses was telling the people of Israel 
who had their lamb steak for supper, their sandals on, ready to run toward a whole new life. Passover is an education in freedom. It's not just a tasty meal with some bitter herbs thrown in. Like our Eucharist, our Holy Communion, which Jesus instituted as He was observing Passover. It's not breakfast or lunch as you've discovered by now. It's a declaration that you are free. That even the worst sides of who you are is somehow acceptable to God if you and I will only take seriously the grace of God. We're going to taste that freedom in about 10 minutes. And it's a meal where every age and every class and every race and every gender and every variety of sinner is welcome and has access to this meal of freedom. You know, we Christians could learn a lot more than we may realize from our Jewish brothers and sisters. The value of education is so deeply embedded in Jewish culture. The very meaning of Torah, that study of a way of life, is one indication. In 1200 B.C., in those 1200s, Moses is talking about the power of learning, the significance of education. By the late first century, the last third of the first century, maybe 40 years after the death of Jesus, Jews had constructed the world's first system of compulsory education for all people, and it was paid for by public funds. A first century sage uh, of that time instituted schools in every town, making education compulsory for kids as young as six years old. To be free people and to create a good and wholesome society where the least of our brothers and sisters are equally free. We need to prize learning. We need to promote education. We need to support our teachers. Freedom isn't going to happen on the battlefield alone or at the ballot box or in the next court ruling. As much as these may be important, it's the hearts, it's the minds, it's the imagination where the seeds of liberty are planted and grown. Moses is telling the Hebrew people, this is your job. Teach your kids. Learn more for yourselves. The bad battle for a good society, a wholesome society, it's won in the realm of education. As students in this community pour back into the schools at this time of year, I think of the, uh, of the support that our teachers and our administrators and our schools deserve. We owe it to them. It's how you build a free society. They're in this education game to help students become the next generation and become more resilient, more strong, more open-minded, more intelligent. Not to be told what books they can use and cannot use because one parent is ideologically aggrieved and wants to close the minds of the students. Every classroom teacher I encounter, I say to myself, how do they do it? How do they do it? I'm looking at many of you right now, given the stresses of these times, the weight of so many demands. How do you te keep teaching the freedom of thought and inquiry when you have so many forces working against you and so many students in your classroom? Let's think, too, about our fall startup here, here at St. Paul, how we can grow a deeper sense 
of freedom in our own lives by learning and by growing. You know, we mature in all these beautiful ways as we grow up. We mature physically, we, we, we mature emotionally, we mature relationally, we mature financially in the ways we learn how to use money. But how many Christians end their spiritual learning in second grade Sunday school and do not and are not feeling spiritually literate? We need to form ethical and moral lives and selves, and we'll never get there if our first recourse in every conversation is just to express whatever our latest political opinion is. Talking about Jesus is cheap, but knowing and loving Jesus because we were acquainted with what he said and what he did with his life, that's beautiful. That's incalculable goodness. So whatever we can do, whatever you and I can do in the seasons ahead to expand our minds, to expand our hearts, to grow our imagination. Moses, the teacher, he'd be proud. And Jesus, the rabbi, he'd be honored. Amen.
I invite you to join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.